KBLA Talk 1580, welcoming in for our inaugural edition of Freedman Fridays, a community leader, a youth development advocate, and even though we say in California love, is <laughs> a Buffalo State College alum, founder of the Green Campaign Incorporated, um, vice president of the Anti-Negro Defamation League and chairman of the New Negro Republic Lineage Society, Rashid Littlejohn. Welcome back. I'm so happy to be here. Grand Rising, how are you doing this thank morning? Thank you, thank you. Happy to have you back. Um, I, I'm, I'm really pleased that you could be part of this inaugural show because my intention is to be consistent in the conversation about reparations so that we don't lose momentum, we don't lose focus, so that we continue to build on the knowledge and understanding that folks are starting to get. So thank you for helping to kick this off. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Freedman Friday's got to have a Negro to become a Freedman, so we here. Uh, that This is going to be every Friday in the second hour of the show, uh, 7 a.m. hour. Why do you say, um, got to have the Negro <laughs> to be a Freedman? Yeah, I, 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 I throw that one in there. What do you mean when you say that? Unpack it. Uh, man, uh, I think this kind of aligns directly with where we're going with the conversation. Because uh, there's, a, there's a few different sentiments as it pertains to the uh, terminology that should be used around reparations. And, you know, we've been bringing back the term Negro, bringing its vibrancy back. And there's others who also bring back the term freedmen, which we are in full support of. But we don't believe that you have to separate the two. Yeah. Uh, we believe that we were Negroes enslaved and we became freedmen as we were emancipated. But that does not mean that we are not Negroes. Right. We continue to live on as Negroes, American Negroes and accomplish great things. And it doesn't mean that in that time frame we were not freedmen. It just means that we don't have to suspend one for the other. So to have a Negro kick off Freedman Friday, I think it just shows the connectivity <laughs> that we all want in the same. That's all. <laughs> right, right. And uh a and it well yeah, we we're not gonna go off down that semantic path, but we can, oh, by the yeah. way, if you want to call in eight hundred nine two oh fifteen eighty. We can. We need to talk about all the things. All of it needs to be out on the table. That's why I say this is meant to be a comprehensive reparations conversation. All mm-hmm. all in. All in. Uh and, and you're and you are part of also eight hundred nine two oh fifteen eighty. Rashid Littlejohn, um we, you, you know, you said we were Negroes before we were freedmen, and we've been called a lot of other things, too, some uh, mm-hmm. some adoring, mm-hmm. some not so much. But mm-hmm. I've, you know, talked with friends and colleagues who say that there's an argument, a legal argument for using the term Negro. Uh, well, I think when we even tap into this, the subject matter today, we'll look and understand that the harms that we've experienced have always been based on our race, right? right? Uh, right. Our lineage uh, specifically, right? When they said no Negroes allowed, you know, they were talking about a specific people. Uh, so we, we just understand that it's, it's a clean uh, connection when we talk about the harms that we've experienced and the repair that is owed to those individuals who have been harmed. Uh, even issued in social field order 15, you know, they say the Negro is free and must be dealt with as such. So we know that we were targeted 
much more than because of our skin complexion, but because of that blood lineage we had to slavery that was called Negro slavery. So we don't look to separate them. That's all. Yeah. So when you, when you refer to what we're getting into, um, part of the thing, part of your portfolio, I guess you could say, and as a reparations activist is dealing with this issue of, um, hate crimes and, um, here locally in California, there's been uh, a marked rise. Um, we've seen several um, several um, sets of data that show that um, there's a consistent rise um, in hate crimes in the last four years. Uh, now there's a new FBI report um, on hate mm-hmm. crimes. And... Some people may be thinking right now, what does that have to do with reparations? Well, we continue to live in this uh, constant battle with the dominant white society that racism is over. Uh, We are all good out here. So, you know, nothing is stopping us from pursuing, you know, our happiness. And when we look at the stats and the data, we definitely see differently, right? And specifically in 2022, we're looking at a high amount of race-based hate crimes, right? Now, we got to get back to that race term and not terminology that I think some people are trying to run away from. When we look at the race-based hate crimes, it is showcasing that Black Americans, Negro Americans, American freedmen, whichever one you want to use, is overrepresented in the victims of race-based hate crimes coming in at 3,424 race-based crimes against us. And the stats show that it was only uh, 6,570 race-based recorded hate crimes. So we are 51% or more of that. And overrepresented in that other side is the offenders are 51% white, right? So if we were to look at how many of the of offenders were white in comparison to us being the victims of overrepresentation, we could argue that no, it it is not over, right? And we look at the scaling numbers from 2020, uh, 2,871, 2021, 30, I mean, 3,277 uh, to 2022, 3,424. So we see race-based hate crimes against us is actually climbing, right? And we can look at that same time frame and see there were other groups who got maybe uh, a task force or some uh, or a hate crimes bill. And then it's like, if we don't, quote, need another bill on the table, how do we get protections when we then look at reparations from an international standpoint of guaranteed non-repetition, right? So when we talk about what does reparations look like in guaranteed non-repetition, and then one of the biggest cries that comes from our community is an anti-black hate crime bill, then we would have to look at the 1870 Enforcement Act, 1871 Ku Klux Klan Act, and continue to go through the Civil Rights Act in the, in the 60s and in, in XSL. Is something just not being enforced, or do we actually need something new to add that protection that is a part of the reparations conversation. I'm smiling because you're teaching the advanced class, and I hope that y'all are keeping up, um, because there's uh, there's a number of you know concepts that you just kind of um, went through, and I'm gonna I want to 
um, sort of drill yeah, down. Yeah, we can slow it down. We'll yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all let us know. Do we need to slow it down? 809-20-1580. I feel like uh, you gave an overview, and now we can sort of... Um, we can go a little deeper in some of the things w- you mentioned. So the um, data uh, from 2022, which is what they most recently released, shows hate crimes overall um, up. Uh, yes. Overall, they're up. And um, the, you know, the m- biggest increase was, you know, African-American uh, 29% of those hate crimes, according to the FBI, a third of them are being perpetrated against African Americans. Part, you know, and, and part of what we see year after year, it's always this. But what we mm-hmm. see in the reporting is whenever there's a change in another group, that's the headline. Huge jump yep. uh, against LGBTQ. Huge jump. Uh, this is not reflected so much in um, 2022, um, although there you do see a 10% uh, of, of those hate crimes against Jewish people um, and, and mm-hmm. anti-gay. So what we see the reporting on is always who's got a big increase or in in some cases a big de- decrease in this report it's there's a decrease of 30% among asian americans but for some reason nobody finds it remarkable that every year black people are the most attacked by hate mm-hmm. crimes that apparently is not newsworthy it's uh it's benign neglect right it's the constant ignoring of the group that needs protections that once had protections, right? So when we get into, you know, this conversation about reparations and we look at, you know, the lack of fulfillment of special field or the 15, then we have to get into the compromise of 1877 when the federal troops leave the South and then we are under this violence, right? Then we would look at that in the early 1900s when we had these black towns that we built up ourselves, pulling ourselves up our bootstraps, and how a lot of those lynchings and a lot of those attacks was to destabilize us economically. So if we were to say we get reparations, direct cash payments right now, how can we ensure that we would be protected by the United States federal government in that key area of non-repetition, right? No more hate crimes or protections against those who have gotten their reparations, whether it's through direct cash payments and other measures, would that make it susceptible to be attacked? And would that even align up with what true reparations is? So I look at it and I say the historic benign neglect and its negligence of enforcement to protect us has to be addressed in this conversation when we talk about we want direct cash payments. Right. San Francisco's talking about five million dollars lump sum. What happens with individuals who want to attack us? How do we find protections against that where we are not just becoming, you know, uh, uh, self-defense, quote, vigilantes, where we are stocking up all Mm. the guns that we need because we see that the federal government, the Department of Justice is not protecting us, not looking into the data and the research to curb this violence that everybody sees happening, but nobody's really talking about it. They only talk about these types in other groups like religion or, or gender identity. And it's like, well, we still represent and over, over represent 
And that could be people who still identify under the religions, under these different sexual orientations, but the core factor of us, hence why I said a Negro and a freedman, is still race-based, right? It's still specific to us. So we don't never want to lose sight on the fact that we are specific people that has had a legacy of race-based policies against us and protections that have not been enforced that have been targeted and, and attacks targeted against us because of our race. It's a combination of the advanced class and the 101. So when we talk about reparation, we talk about compensation, we talk about mm-hmm. repair or rehabilitation, we talk about restitution satisfaction and this idea of a guarantee of non-repetition that's uh what you were referring to in terms of hate crime want to go a little deeper with that and when you said we no longer have protections that we once have want to look at that all that's coming up uh, on kbla talk 1580 friedman fridays more of first things first with dominique DePrima when we come forward The conversation continues right now now, now, with Dominique DePrima on First Things First. The conversation continues uh, with you um, and Rashid Littlejohn. He's a community leader, youth development advocate. He's the vice president of the Anti-Negro Defamation League. Um, And you, uh, you were talking about hate crimes. We were talking about hate crimes and this idea of, uh, you know, protection. You said protection, which we used to have. What were you referring to? I mean, I I think I took about those glory years of reconstruction, right? Uh, But I even start with looking at the Civil Rights Act of 1866 and even how Andrew Johnson, who uh, was president at the time after Abraham Lincoln, uh, wanted to veto that, you know. So there's been a long fight for us to be seen as citizens, to have equal protection under the law, under the 14th Amendment. But even when we start with 1866, where it talks about, you know, giving a citizenship without a distinction of our race, color, previous condition of slavery or involuntary servitude, you know, so it's codifying us as a specific people that have a race, a color, and a lineage to slavery, all more than one. Uh, and we've had something called the Enforcement Act of 1870, the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, uh, the federal troops that were in the South up into the end of Reconstruction, which when you get into the research and the studies, it says that that was a time frame where we would have or had the most protection. And after this, quote, backdoor deal of what the Compromise of 1877 was, which seems to not be a written document, right? It wasn't a policy. We don't necessarily know what it was outside of the Democrats seating the presidency. Uh, we don't really know exactly how that has hindered our lack thereof of protection, but we can just continue to draw a line, draw a straight line of the continual harms that we have been under since that time frame. And we get into police brutality, right? We get into white vigilante violence when we think about the Buffalo shooting. I mean, you in L.A., we could talk about the Rodney King and how those officers were able to walk off, right? That left that, that led to that big riot. So it's really just saying there was a time frame where we had quote protections and or we keep getting these legislations in these landmark civil rights cases, but where is the protection? We could look at the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 
the James Bird uh, uh, act, hate crime the lynching, act, where yeah. we're talking about, you know, the lynching, and it's like, okay, where they drag. It's, these things seem to have been passed, so, you know, a lot of the conversations we have in the background is, is this really an issue about enforcement? Or do we need something now? Because a part of what we hear from the community is we need an anti-black, anti-Negro, anti-Freedman hate crime bill, right? We are specific lineage that has historically been targeted and attacked. We could delineate the numbers of these FBI stats and showcase that we as the free, the Negro Freedman community is highly overrepresented. And do we need another policy or do we just need the Department of Justice to uh, enforce what's on the books, and do we need the the the, uh, the federal government and all lo- lo- you know municipalities to protect us based on what's already on the books? So, I mean, when you just to be clear, when you talk about the Compromise of eighteen seventy seven, this is where uh, you know it was is a deal to to see who gets to be president, and the deal was uh, Hayes gets to be president, but um, agrees to remove federal troops from uh, the South which were yes. there were meant to be there protecting the freed the newly freed uh black people negroes black freedmen yeah. african americans mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you know whatever term you want to use mm-hmm. and so that's you know it's it's really like a backroom deal um and yeah. and so when you talk about protection you're talking about federal troops which we have seen intermittently Right, Ruby Friedman, but not on a consistent, ongoing basis. And now, when you talk about stepping up uh, some kind of protection, if the protection is law enforcement, that seems ludicrous. I mean, I mean, th- this is why it's great to have these conversations with with, with the California family because wasn't there a big expose about? the amount of white supremacist ideology and members that infiltrated the LAPD, right? You know, people displaying these different tattoos that connect them. So if there's an, in, in a, uh, the FBI Department of Justice has to investigate this, right? And if this is in Florida as well, if this is across the nation, then what are the, what are, what is the protocols? What is supposed to be looked into as an American citizen, right? As a taxpaying citizen who believes that there's a system that should be protecting us where is the implementation of that protection right. when we can break out all of this stuff that's on the book? Yeah, I mean, and if we can't find, pro- yeah. I mean, there's an FBI report on that too. It's not just LA. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the LA sheriff's gangs, but there was an, yeah. there's been a couple FBI reports that warn of the infiltration mm-hmm. of white supremacy into American law enforcement. We saw it on January yep. 6th with white supremacist mm-hmm. um, police actually taking part in an attempt to overthrow the United States government. So I think uh, it's been reported and we've seen it empirically. We're talking with Rashid Littlejohn, talking reparations, call it Freedman Friday, but all are welcome. Whatever you call yourself, get in the conversation. KBLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. loud. A great place for progressive politics. KBLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, um, talking with Rashid Littlejohn, I'm getting distracted by people uh, on the social media talking, but that's good. Get in the conversation. That's important. Um, Rashid Littlejohn is with me. He is vice president of the Anti-Negro Defamation League. Um, And we were talking about, you know, among the various 
types of uh, repair that are part of what we know as reparations, this idea of the um, guarantee of non-repetition, which means protection Mm -hmm. of some kind. And in the context of hate crimes, uh, you brought up the hate crimes bill. I think, you know, is a new hate crimes bill needed? I'm going to say no, because... I think people got um, tripped up by the fact that it was named the anti-Asian hate crimes bill, but the funding was uh, for anybody who was a victim of hate crime. That said, though, all of these bills don't seem to have stopped uh, the attacks on black Americans. No. I mean, even even when I was reading, doing some research on this new, uh, this new FBI stats that came out, they credited the COVID-19 hate crime bill as decreasing crimes against Asian Americans. They did, right? So it's kind of like, is that by accident, it's a coincidence, right? Is that because of an act that was given them protections, you've seen a decrease? Or was there something actually enforced? Like, what was that? And, and even though it's this COVID-19 hate crimes bill, we understand that there was a, a, a specific attack against Asian American Pacific Islanders around some of that Wuhan Chinese vaccine stuff that was going on. And if that bill had uh, been able to reduce hate crimes against that population, then I, I want to review the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Act, right? Has, and, and why has that not reduced the hate crimes against us, which is one of the most recent ones that we had in 2010? Because over the last three years, hate crimes against us, race-based, right? The reason why we kind of been having this conversation is because we're looking at the FBI statistics on race-based hate crimes. And we are a specific lineage of people who has been classified as a race. And there are attacks that we have experienced because of those specificities of who we are. It's not just random all black people we could disaggregate that part of the data and show that no these are people who descend from slavery these are negroes these are freedmen so i'm not here to create an argument about race-based or lineage-based no i understand we are actually both like you can't separate the attacks that we have experienced as the descendant community uh uh and these acts that have been passed for our protections under race color creed national origin and still nothing has changed in terms of what we see directly with the last three years of numbers. 800 Everyone is welcome in the conversation all the time on my show. That's how we roll. Um, all are welcome. 800-920-1580. So um, do you, when we talk about, um, you know, what it means to be safe, what it means to be protected, what it means to have the full force of uh, your uh, your government, which we fund mm-hmm. and pay for, um, to protect black people, um, African Americans, Negroes, Freedmen, I just have some people hitting me up angry about the terminology. That's good. We can do that show. Let's do that show mm-hmm. next week. Um <laughs> That doesn't even seem like it's something that's going to happen in the United States of America. Uh, and it's not just based on uh, reconstruction. It's just based on um, the present moment. And so when you talk about this increase in hate crimes, does that, is that an answer in any way? Or is it, does it create the case 
for the fact that this harm is ongoing. Some people would say that's not at all related to, you know, the enslavement, the so-called emancipation, uh, and the Jim Crow era. It's just now, and it's not connected in any way. If you think it is, um, make that connection. I mean, one, it's a connection because it's not, it's a, it's a negligence of the equal protection of the 14th Amendment, right? Which is giving us citizenship. Uh, we understand that slavery and the crimes against humanity and what we are owed simply because we were not given special field order 15 is kind of where the clock starts, right? And then it continues to go. We've had these conversations on previous occasions about this continual chain of, 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 of unbrokenness, right? This continual legacy of harm. And even if we're able to look at stats that showcase that we are still overly represented in hate crimes against us, how is that different than the hate crimes that we experienced with the bombings, you know, and, and during the civil rights movement? How is that different than the, uh, the uh, no Negroes allowed and the attacks of lynchings that we experienced in the, in the 1900s? How is that different from the massacres that we experienced in the late 1800s when the Confederates and white mobs were preventing us from voting? Right. Where 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 we needed federal protections in order to even have an opportunity to vote. We needed federal protection so we could protect our our lands that we had at one point in time before, you know, those massacres occurred. So we wrap this thing back to the guarantees of non-repetition and how repair needs to be in place with protections as well, because. This whole thing is about reparations, right? Okay, we get a whole bunch of money and we get access to the, the, the fruits of, quote, white society that, we, that we've been left out of or we finally get what is owed to us. Is it going to be protected, right? That's the biggest fear of why people don't even want to, quote, mobilize right now. Oh, hmm. if we get something, white people going to come take it. If really? we start right now, white people going to take it. It's, it's so much conversations around people right now who the moment we have something, this fear that white Americans or white people or the dominant white society is going to take it from us. You think that's a real deterrent to people mobilizing? I mean, I hear... I hear so many excuses and reasons I hear, you know, black people will squander it. Uh, my grandparents didn't, um, uh, didn't hold, uh, slaves or, or, or I didn't hold slaves. I hear, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a burden on taxpayers. I haven't really heard people saying, well, I'm worried that folks will take it from me. There'll be a repeat of the black wall street. Well, not specifically under reparations, but just in general of when black people have something, right? If we mobilize ourselves to build a community, if we mobilize ourselves to own and expand our property, one of those conversations that we see in, in here online is that protection part, right? Are, are, are we going to be protected in this fight for our repair once we get our repair, or are we left to our own selves to defend for ourselves? Right. And to anyone who has an issue about the, the status of the Negro, there should be a protected class. And if there's people that want to do that work, we need to focus on how to create that protection of lineage of class so we can move forward in a way that is beneficial to our growth in society. But I don't think a lot of people speak enough about in in specifics right now about this hate crime 
uh, report and exactly what does that mean when it comes to reparations? Um, you said a lot of things right there. What do you think it means when it comes to reparation? That we cannot allow white Americans or the dominant white society to say that racism is over, uh, that we are not still being targeted because of who we are, our lineage, our, quote, race. And this needs to be a continual part of the conversation when we talk about non-repetition and if we need a new bill or if we need more enforcement of our equal protection under the law. Do you think we need a new bill? I would like to put them all together and call it the Freedmen Act of 2023 and and become a protected class, right? If, if that's the goal, right? If we want to get past when you the say become a protected class, because 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 theoretically, black people black people are a protected class theoretically. But what is how does that protection shake out? What does it really mean to be a protected class in a, in a white supremacist dominated um, structure? It means to me more lawsuits around the failures to implement policies that are set up to protect us. Uh, it means more reports and progress reviews on exactly what that looks like because we're looking at three years that we have increased in the FBI, you know, hate crimes list. Like we've increased the numbers of being victims from 2020 to 2022, right? and being victims of hate crimes with no conversation about it, right? No anti-Semitism task force at the White House, no COVID-19, you know, no, like how other groups are able to get some of this attention around it. It's almost like, yeah, that's black people. That's, it's like, it's business as usual. Like, where is the outcry, right? The last conversation we had was about genocide, right? How many of these people that experienced these hate crimes actually died, right? And, and, and cannot be connected to continual genocide. Because not only are we being attacked, but we're still being murdered because we're American Negroes, we're American freedmen. Like, uh, where is that part at, right? The national call and attention. Uh, 800-920-1580. Call me now if you want to get in the conversation. Don't just uh, keep it on socials. I'd love to hear what you have to say. It's KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. 800-920-1580. Folks in the chat talking about they trying to get through. Well, try a little harder because I don't see you on my phones. <laughs> uh, Rasheed Little John is our guest. Uh, 800-920-1580. It's really not uh, not that hard to get through. If you don't get through the first time, try again. Sometimes the phones be busy. Um, Rasheed Little John. Uh, Vice President of the Anti-Negro Defamation League. Let's go to Phyllis calling us from L.A. Hi, Phyllis. Good morning. Can you hear me? I do. Yes. So, um, again, good morning, Dominique and Rashid. Great topic. Thanks for keeping the topic relevant. So I have a quick question. Has anyone heard or maybe challenged, um, let's say, attorneys Larry Elders and Leo Terrell, for speaking out against San Francisco's proposed $5 million for each long-time resident? Um, well, I, I haven't challenged Leo Terrell, but those of you who listen to my show know I'm forever challenging Larry Elder, not just about that, but about everything he says. I'm not sure um, 
if you're familiar, Rashid Littlejohn, these are black conservatives who have come out hard against reparation of any kind, and specifically uh, San Francisco. No. Well, that's the conservative thing, right? We Go ahead. We normally hear that coming from that. I said we normally hear that coming out from that side, you know, that that's to pull yourself up by your bootstrap side. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to make any effect because the report is already out. They did the work. They've already made their recommendations. And now the community is going to be louder than what their own opinions are. Well, these are people with big platforms. I mean, you know, really big platforms. Um, Mr. Elder just uh, threw in the towel on his run for president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, more on that mm-hmm. later. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, but even even to the to those type of ideologies, right? I didn't hear much of what he he positioned as a policy, right? His policy was, you know, we gotta get our women off welfare. We gotta, you know, it was like, all right, man. Well, like, it's the I'm conversation. New, I mean, it, the around. the talking yeah. point is that reparation is a handout. Uh, that it's, you know, that it's a form of welfare, that it's um, something that, you know, is not fair to mm-hmm. other citizens of this country. Well, we know it's a yeah. debt, right? And it's not a handout. It's a debt that is owed that has not been paid. And we could, you know, even like we've done it so many times. We could take away slavery. What happened with this era? We could take away that era, okay, what happened during Jim Crow? Like, okay, let's focus on what happened in a in a in a in a in the post slavery reconstruction era. Like there's so many areas that we could go and say these are harms that we've experienced from a lineal perspective and the damages that that has created generationally when it comes to our equity and our our economic footing in the United States of America. So it's not a handout, it's actually repair. You know, but again, these people yeah. know that I think there's an ideology that they stand on and, and they, they, you know, pander towards a, a thought box that is anti us anyway, right? Phyllis, go ahead. No, I just want to say thank you. Um, but it would be, it would be really good if we could actually come together, you know, even the ones that disagree, if we can maybe just come together and, you know, sort out our differences. But at least, you know, come to an agreement. <laughs> I know, I mean, it's not impossible, but, you know, we should come to an agreement because it's definitely due. No. Thank you, Phyllis. Appreciate the conversation. Um, yeah, let's see. Fahima's on the phone. Fahima calling from D.C. Go ahead. Hi, Johnny and uh, Tepasa, Dominique. Just a couple of quick points. Can you hear me? Yep. I don't know why everyone's okay. asking that today. We hear you like we always do. Go okay. ahead, real quick, because okay. we're close One to the end thing, of the hour. The, here. The, this particular bill, the anti, that's called the anti-Asian hate crime bill, associated with issues around COVID, but it doesn't exclude other groups. It includes funding to agencies that uh, will track hate and do data collection. The other thing, in the interest of time, the gentleman said that black people were the only one black South, well as he calls himself the freedmen are only ones that were attacked when white supremacists go after people black people hurt harm and main black people they're not looking to see what uh pedigree of black you are Al, um amadou diallo shot 41 times right and okay sodomized in a precinct point taken and for him Sean Bell. let's have um let's have let's have rashid uh you know, respond to that because it is true. You know, black people of all 
every nationality are are uh, attacked are victims of hate crimes in this country. I agree, and I don't think that I said that we are the only. I said we could disaggregate those numbers, and we could show that we are still overrepresented in that. Right. So if we were to pull out that three thousand four hundred and twenty four and say how many of these actual race based quote hate crimes are based on the descendants of American shadow slavery, like I would die on that hill that ninety five percent of them were based on us. All right, Fahima, uh, you want to respond real quick? I just want to say, with all due respect, I don't think white supremacists check to see what kind of Negro one is when they're looking to lynch someone, when they're looking to hurt, harm, and maim someone. I'm just going to end there. All right, going straight to Carla, calling us from L.A. Hi, Carla. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. How are you? I hope you're doing great today, uh, Dominique. Um, I appreciate you having Freedom Fridays. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And my question, um, I guess I'll make my stance. Uh, Inside of reparations, I believe that race um, with the the recent Supreme Court um, ruling, uh, race should not be used in reparations. We run the risk of it being struck down by the um, Supreme Court. And so with this statement that you got to have a Negro to have a freedman, I wanted to ask... uh, Mr. Littlejohn, if he understood that when, um, after we were emancipated in 1865 and on the first census of 1870, that our racial classification was not Negro, it was Black. Uh, That didn't happen until like the 1920s, 1930s, I believe. And so if he understands that, I want to know also, why is he making this connection to the term Negro as if um, the United States government recognized uh, black people to be Negroes after emancipation. Uh, so my quick response to that is is that laws were not based on the census. So even though it was black as a color classification on the census, the law still specified Negroes, right? When you look into the black codes, you actually see them use the terminology of Negroes. Uh, when you look at, you know, the, the, the reconstruction policies that we had to fight towards, we had to make sure that it included race, color, creed, national origin, right? So we know that the policies that were being positioned against us were utilizing race as a barrier to limit us from Okay, uh, we're up so, against the clock right here with uh, news yeah. traffic and sports. Um, you know, Rasheed Littlejohn, if you want to just, you know, hang for a second for the beginning of to land and finish your thought. Um, uh, Carla, stay with me. I think that's a great um, conversation because I've heard that argument a lot. If it is included, if race is included in reparations, it becomes an affirmative action uh, or a, a Supreme Court issue and will not uh, hold up. We'll look at that and more when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.